Oh, we got a good one today. We've got Jarvis in the house. He's 42. He's a father. He's an elder. Uh, he's really dedicated his whole life to giving back to his community and young black folks. There's a lot to cover today. Yoga, Common. Uh, we're going to talk about parenting, social media, Ben Clark, BRAF. What is BRAF? Uh, stick with us. We've got a lot to learn today. Everything is fueled from me wanting to be a better person on earth. It's time to do your part. I don't want you to dream. I want you to do it. Tap into the conversation. Check one, two. As we cover the latest issues affecting our communities and the world. It is absolutely vital that the truth comes out. Resolve your unconscious bias and grow from firsthand experiences. Is your mind truly free or is it caged? This is Do Your Part with Brian Gallo. Welcome back, everybody, to Do Your Part. As you know, I'm your host, Brian Gallo. Today, another interesting perspective, a unique voice, Mr. Jarvis Williams. I have uh, somewhat of a relationship with you, but I don't know you all too well, so that's why I'm really excited to have you here today. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. How you doing? I can't complain. I mean, again, I've known you, but I don't really, I don't know too much about you. So I'm excited for you to kind of get really vulnerable and open with the viewers and myself and listeners. Um, why did you decide to come here today? Let me, I always ask uh, guests that. Why are you here today? I, I think that we are living in some very um, interesting times and um, things are really unique right now. I think it's important to uh, take advantage of those opportunities and, um, I think that they're going to be some segues or the catalyst to some greater places in life. You know, um, I love that you said get vulnerable. Um, I know that's not common in, in our culture, mm -hmm. but um, I think it's necessary. You know, I think that when we can get vulnerable, we open ourselves up to reality. Mm -hmm. And when people can understand reality, they can make a better connection um, and we can we can do greater work. Mm -hmm. Just from the minute that we've been talking, I can hear uh, optimism and hope in your voice. Does, is that kind of is that you? Because a lot of people, a lot of us are kind of stuck in what's going on, and it's hard sometimes for people of color to stay in a space of hope. But it seems like that's you're coated with it. No, I'm a very optimistic person. Um, I can attribute a lot of that to how I was raised, um, personal life experiences um, from childhood on into my, you know. Uh, adulthood. So I like to stay optimistic because, you know, even I, I grew up in the church. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a native of the valley here. And even when I look through the Bible and some of the fascinating stories, you know, it was like some of the scariest moments, some of the most uncertain times uh, they were, they gave birth to some of the greatest miracles and testimonies that we know of, you mm -hmm. know, so I don't, I don't get caught up in what's going on around me. I look more for the outcome, mm -hmm. you know, kind of never focus on the uh, fire, but stick to the vision. I've never heard that. Never focus on the fire, but stick to the vision. I get that. That's a strong analogy. Yeah. All right. So w let's kind of move into your childhood. I didn't know you were from the Coachella Valley. Tell me a bit about your experience growing up and what your family life was like. So um, I was born and raised here in the uh, Valley. Um, I am one of four children. My mother's a native of the Valley. My family migrated here from Texas, mm -hmm. um, and I uh, am uh, the oldest child. Um, Is everybody still here? We're all still here. Wow. Okay, we're all still ahead. here. I left for uh, about 11 years, went to San Diego, and came back. Hmm. Um, but I'm here. I've been back in the desert now for about 11 years. Okay. Um, I attend Indio Mount Zion Church of God in Christ. I'm uh, Indio High School Raja alumni. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
that that's me so uh, we obviously are in California. Palm Springs is considered, it's Southern California, not considered it is. is right. Um, and, and so, you know, I know that you said that your family kind of originated from Texas. I want to jump right in and kind of understand your experience with prejudice and racism here in the Coachella Valley growing up here. I've been here about eight years. Interestingly enough, I think that because of how I was raised, um, I grew up in a small community um, called Nairobi, um, just off of uh, Indio Boulevard here. And I honestly didn't experience much racism as a young child, mm -hmm. to be very honest. Um, more of my eyes, I think because of the village I was raised in, I was very protected. I was very sheltered. Mm -hmm. um, so I had other than, you know, other outside influences, I had a positive um, childhood as it relates to any type of racism here in the Valley. I mm -hmm. didn't experience that too much. Um, I have more so experienced that in the last 10 years of my life, returning back to the Valley mm. as an adult. Um, and, and, and all of it hasn't been direct. Mm -hmm. um, some of it has been indirect, seeing some of the things working directly with the uh, youth and the school districts and seeing some of the challenges and barriers that they have to go through. Mm -hmm. um, and and I've seen a lot of interesting things, you know. Um, I, I've, I've encountered a few small things, you know. I don't have... Um, Fortunately for me, I don't have, you know, any of the uh, stories with police officers, but um, I have Good, had. Thank the, God. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm grateful for it. You know, um, I have, though, however, had experiences, you know, where um, someone talking to me over the phone or communicating through email, you know, then here walks in this, you know, six foot, 225 pound black man, dark skin. I get I've gotten different responses and different looks and mm -hmm. kind of like, why are you here? Um, even with my own children, um, some of the things that I've experienced within the school districts were very um, distasteful. And so, you know, again, how do you how do you handle that? How did you handle that? Oh, I uh, instantly I, I reached out to the uh, superintendent of the school district. I wrote emails to the principal. I made my voice known. Um, unfortunately for me, with my oldest daughter, I actually removed her from Desert Sands Unified School District and I put her in a charter. Whoa. Um, yeah. So yeah. not only did you react, you took real action. Oh, yeah, because give, I, us, give us some more detail. What happened? So um, there was a day that I was on my way to work and my daughter had uh, forgotten her lunch. Mm -hmm. So I went to drop it off to her. And um, when I went to drop it off to her, um, I was very put off at the fact that I was able to walk into my daughter's classroom and have a conversation with her mm -hmm. um, with a teacher that I've never met. My wife knew the teacher and had met the teacher, but she never knew me. And so for me to to not question that. Mm -hmm. um, Especially in the day and age we live in. Yeah, yeah and this was just uh, two years ago. So mm -hmm. um, to not question that as a teacher, I mean, I work with young men. No one can ever walk into my facility where parents have entrusted their children to me and just start having a conversation without coming to me or one of our staff members or team members first. And so um, that was uh, one of the um, instances that we had. Which was lack of security. Lack of security. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, my daughter's young at the time. She was in like third or fourth grade, you know, so she's vulnerable and she doesn't know. Mm -hmm. I could have been anybody, mm -hmm. you know. Um, yeah, you could have had a gun and pulled one of these Columbine Sandy Hook 
deals. Well, yeah. I mean, even just to think about all of the uh, African-American children that come up missing here in the U.S., Mm. it it, kind of speaks to why things like that are able to happen, because we're not in some instances even seen to have the the kind of value that people would look at that. You Mm. know, Um, I just don't think in any um, setting that that should be acceptable or okay by Mm -hmm. any means. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, as far as value is concerned, and this is a, a broad question, which you, a lot of us can't answer, but why do you think that we're not as equally valued as other people? Well, I think that um, it just goes, I mean, it traces all the way back to slavery. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, um, I, I had the um, I had the unfortunate um, circumstance. Well, no, I won't call it unfortunate. I was very fortunate in my grandmother's last years to uh, be with my wife as we took care of her. And um, I told you that we grew up in a village mentality and sheltered from some things while well, my grandmother uh, suffered from dementia. Mm. And so um, learning about that process and going through that, um, what eventually happened was is as the uh, brain is deteriorating, you know, we have filters, right? So you have filters that say, oh, when I go to church, you don't cuss. Or when I'm in my front of my parents, I say this. Or when right. I'm with my friends, I say these things. And so with my grandmother passing from dementia, as those filters were deteriorating, there were memories that she had as a child that she was no longer able to shelter us from. And that in her dreams and in her moments of, you know, because with dementia, they move back and forth uh-huh. through different time periods, you know. Like lucid and then not. Yeah. Right. And there would be times where she would say, you know, oh, mama said we can't go down there. You know, they hung that man down there. On the-. And so... For me, as a as an adult male, these are stories that she never even shared with us. Mm-hmm. But now that, that you knew they were there, you just never heard them. Never heard them, and so now they're 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 coming into existence, right? And so, I think that the same way that even if my grandmother had filters to shield us from those things, we can't act like racism has not existed, mm-hmm. and a lot of times even though there's no one living here in the U.S. necessarily that has had slaves and those things still exist. Mm -hmm. And regardless of how we've shielded it, how we've covered it up in textbooks, how we've tried to give it different names, Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it doesn't exist, you know? And so I believe when you talk about why we don't have value, well, it's because that's something that's been passed down through lineage Mm -hmm. for how many years, you know? And it doesn't just go away. Mm And I think this is why there's so much unrest now, because the shields have just kind of blocked it. But it's like when you're a kid, right? My mom used to tell us, okay, y'all can't go outside until you clean your room. Well, we just used to shove things under the bed, Mm -hmm. you know? But just because you shove it under the bed doesn't mean it's no longer there. Right. And so um, we dealt with some of those challenges. And um, I think that's that speaks a lot to why we're not seen as having value because Mm -hmm. from the very onset of us coming to this country, we had no value. We weren't even considered a a full human. That's a really good point. Just upon uh, introduction, for lack of better words, we were already seen to have less value if none at all. Right. Right. And then we were put on blocks to be actually auctioned Uh, off and given some sort of value. Right. Yeah, Yeah. That's deep. I like that. Um, so with everything that's going on, right, we, I've had some folks that are over the age of 60, 70, even close to 80, who have talked about their experience with just uh, racism and kind of how it's evolving or not evolving. Do you think everything that's happening is for due reason, It's for, re- for just reason? Like, do you think that this is all 
good will come out of this? That's my question. Do you think this is all going to be something positive at the end? I think eventually, yes. When, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, what was going on in the in the days and the marches and protests of Martin Luther King, they look very different than the marches and the protests of today. Mm-hmm. Um, are we in a better place? It's kind of hard to say. I mean, it's 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 circumstantial. It, right. it depends on your perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we live in a, a different time. I mean, there are there are your different people. Um, I heard uh, it was quoted in a podcast I watched the other day, you know, for us as African-Americans. Um, well, now we have, you know, your Jay-Z's, your Diddy's, Beyonce's, your Oprah's, Tyler Perry's, who they have extreme wealth. You know what I mean? So they've risen to another part of the American dream, so to speak. Mm-hmm, right. Um, you, you even have Barack Obama, you know what I mean? Michelle Obama, people in very high political status who have risen to obtain status but there's still the other end where we have people that are living in sheer poverty i mean there's still very great effects that have strongholds over our 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 culture um mass incarceration you know drugs um single parent households you know those things greatly affect us so in some instances i say that we've digressed Mm -hmm. you know um there, there was a time, you know, when I hear my mother tell of her childhood story. I mean, she grew up in a two-parent household. Um, mother's at home. She's really able to infuse value and all of those things into the, um, into the uh, family. Father works. He provides. There's more of a structured family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Um, that has kind of disappeared for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. But again, we've come into the, the wealth. So, you know, it just depends on, you know, where you are. But do I think that... Um, good will come of it i mean eventually Mm -hmm. you know i just that that's why i'm optimistic you know what i mean for me i've had i've had pitfalls and you know setbacks but every one of them has always you know had a greater comeback you know Mm -hmm. so i i I am hopeful that uh that something good will come out of it you know um there's an old old school stevie wonder song um and uh i don't know all the lyrics but he says um uh maybe one day men won't play with bombs like kids play with toys mm-hmm. maybe not in time for you and me but maybe someday at christmas time you know so i think that if you don't live in optimism you know wherever your state of mind is is eventually where you'll end up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i like that and i think that the message with this podcast it needs to always be <clears throat> one of positivity like run of solution you know real message i get confused i was raised in sonoma county and i was raised in a suburb and uh, similar to kind of you know the demographic that you were raised in and -hmm. i think as far as how i've seen racism change it's like it's changed so much just in the past five years i mean this is all backlash from obama let's be honest right right right. let's call it what it is right so you know as i ask people of color this question you know it seems to everybody has a different answer you know and for me um i want to stay in a space of optimism and i want to be feel excited not excited but feel um happy that this is all again for due purpose and for reason but something in me um keeps me um a little fear i don't know fearful is the right word but Mm -hmm. i just i'm not completely hopeful just yet i'm still a little i'm not optimistic i'm pessimistic and so that's an interesting point because um so we go back um i guess about a month now to the the george floyd passing Mm -hmm. you know and 
talking to some of my family members like out in the you know Dallas Texas Houston area even one of my really good friends for many many years is living in Detroit um, I can sincerely say that being here in the Coachella Valley my fear of of law enforcement and police officers is not very high mm, good right yeah so I've known many of the um, police captains and um, I've known Chief Twist down in Indio um, Captain Combs out of Palm Springs they've both retired now but um, I've met uh, many police officers they've connected me and my program to some of the training facilities that you police understand officers you have a go through. very unique experience right okay I hate to interrupt but go ahead no 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 and, and so I'm aware of that and so this, to, to kind of give perspective to what I said a few moments ago is because having that unique perspective I, I'm pretty confident that if I lived in Detroit or if I was in Houston I probably would not feel that way. Right. But I also grew up, my mother works in um, the school district security. So I met a lot of officers growing up. Mm -hmm. But there are other areas of my life where my security is heightened because of my own childhood experiences. So when I walked into that classroom and I had a conversation with my daughter and the teacher never even questioned who I was, it angered me mm -hmm. because it made me feel like my daughter was in grave danger. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we have different areas in which, you know, we, 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 we can be hopeful or be optimistic, you know? So there, there are some areas where I am a little more hesitant, you know what I mean? I'm not, you know what I mean? As you know, optimistic, but I try to always see the silver lining, even to my darkest clouds, mm -hmm. because I also understand that just as a, a black man in the Amer living in the Americas, it can be very easy to slip into a depression. Mm -hmm. It can be very easy to uh, enter into the role of, of the victim, mm -hmm. you know? And I also believe that in my position, and I, I say this very humbly, but there's a lot of people looking at me. And so how yeah, I eyes on you. how I move and how I operate is is very important to a lot of the especially these young African American males growing up in not the greatest neighborhood though it was a village it had its its own issues um, I know what it feels like you know what I mean when when you don't feel safe and when there's no 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 one to look at you know so me being optimistic is a it's a position that I have to take because. I have to be a, a, a place of hope. Yeah, I have to give people um, opportunity to believe that something greater is coming. And it, as you said a moment ago, a lot of eyes are on you, and we're going to get to that in a few minutes. Um, there's so much to be said again for you know. Uh, my mother was raised in New York, moved to San Francisco, and then there was a time where she was kind of figuring out where she wanted to raise me and my sister. And we went from the Bay Area, essentially, or San Francisco, to Sonoma County suburbs, as I mentioned earlier. The reason I say that is because I'm grateful for that, because that I was able to have similar experiences that you had in the sense that uh, police were friendly. Uh, they were to protect and to serve was something that we all identified with. I wasn't scared of police until I started to move into my adulthood, uh, which leads me to this question for you, or more of a statement. You know, the reality that I don't think you and I think about is that 
one of the reasons we had such an easy upbringing is because we were kids, right? So there's an innocence about us. And then once we move into adulthood, you know, teen into adulthood, we change and we become a threat, right? Um, right? Mm-hmm. Does A, does that resonate with you? And B, at what age does that happen? I guess for me, it was when I started to grow a mustache and I started mm-hmm. to get a little bass in my voice. Right. Maybe I appeared as a threat, but you see what I'm saying, right? Yeah. So, um, and, and here's the danger, and this is why educating our youth is so important. Um, because again, being sheltered, being in that village, it was a very different day and time, right? So I know all these things were going on, but there was no Instagram, no Twitter, no Facebook. So these, I mean, I could go to my Instagram right now and I'm sure there's police brutality videos, there's Black Lives Matters videos, there's Trump hate videos, yeah. there's all these different things, right? But I wasn't exposed to that as a kid. And then I was sheltered, you know, and we take you to church and we're teaching you to be upstanding and making sure you get, you know what I mean, a good education and you know how to properly conduct yourselves. So me, I left home at 19 years old. Mm. I moved to San Diego. I live in San Diego within three weeks of living there. I'm cutting through an alley, walking back to my dorm room and I am stopped by a police officer, put in handcuffs, asked to search my backpack because I fit the description. Okay. Now being 19, being sheltered, I'd heard about the Rodney King situations growing up, you know, but I'd never experienced any of it. Uh I'd never been exposed to it. Mm -hmm. When I say sheltered, down to the movies that we were allowed to watch. So those things weren't taught to me. Mm -hmm. So you're like 19, it's like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. You know, and it it, it kind of was world changing. Mm -hmm. So then I started to look at the environment around me and I saw this is not like where I grew up. Mm -hmm. I started going to stores and noticed like, oh, they're following me. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it does change because like you said, when we're children, there's that innocence. And especially depending on where you grow up and what the lifestyle is, we get protected from a lot. And I know that because I protect my children from Mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. And then one day you have to go into the world and reality sets in. And I think this is why it's important for us to raise our children and teach the youth, prepare them for where they're going, not for where they're at. I don't wanna just raise good kids. Mm -hmm. I wanna raise amazing adults. Right. And, and there's what a lot you are. Of, and and, and, and it, it's a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Some of that is growing myself, but it's being able to have those hard conversations. Mm-hmm. It's let um, me take a step back with you real quick, yeah, yeah. because it's because when you you're talking about your sheltered experience and it seems like obviously you're grateful for that. But as you raise your kids now, do you keep them sheltered or are you do you expose them to much more than you were exposed to as a kid? I, I, I keep them sheltered but I have honest conversations okay. and I, I take everything that I see as an opportunity to teach. Because I think that was um, that that's the difference, you know, um, a prime example. My grandmother used to say, uh, save your money for a rainy day, baby. Mm-hmm. Well, that was great. And that was amazing. What, what I didn't get taught or what I didn't understand is what a rainy day was, you know. And so now I'm like 26. I lose my job. My wife's pregnant. Yeah, it's not They're, literal. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so the money is, is running out. And it's like, oh. This is what a rainy day is, Uh you know, Uh and I love the African proverbs and the quotes and they're all great. But we have to take time to slow down, because when you're a kid. If if, if you're sheltered, you know, we were poor and didn't know it. Mm -hmm. I think we have to kind of have those honest conversations, you know what I mean, to Mm -hmm. to teach our children about those things. You know, Um, I think we have to have honest conversations about 
how not just if not not that law enforcement is scary but how do you deal with them role play that with your children role play i we talk about this often yeah and usually with men of color this conversation always comes up but it is the talk right i remember vividly my mother and i viewers listeners have heard this a zillion times now about the talk you know how to conduct yourself when dealing with a police officer right um give us an example of sh of how you shelter your kids I mean, is, is it as simple as TV? Like, what? give us some examples of how you're sheltering your kids. So, um, I, I guess um, an example would definitely be TV, would be music. Um, um, I don't allow my children right now to engage in any social media mm -hmm. um, because I know that their mind is not mature enough to process it. And so, like a lot of times, social media will cause our children to come to the wrong conclusions, mm -hmm. which is why like we do things like taking them down to the Ben Clark's training center. Let's get you the facts because a lot of times our children will see what's in social media or they see what's on television or the latest film, right? No real understanding that that was created for entertainment, mm -hmm. but that doesn't really follow the law, the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. So then you well, have sometimes reality. Yeah. So now you have a young man, um, prime example, um, had a young man who ran from the police officers and they had a gun drawn on him. Yeah. It's like, why would you run from the police officer? Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to get away. They're scared. The, and I understand that. Right. Yeah. And he goes, well, nothing can happen. I just ran from him. I didn't have a weapon. So what does the law say? Can they shoot you if you run from them? No, they can't shoot you. You sure about that? And so that's where I think that we shelter our kids. And sometimes it's even scary for a parent to say, I don't know, but let's find out together. That takes a lot of courage because a lot of times out of our fear and just wanting to protect our children, we don't even respond in the best way, mm -hmm. you know? And Your example of running from the police. So what I'm hearing is that sometimes being sheltered is not the best thing. There's ways that that sheltering it cannot be positive yeah i definitely think that shelter can sheltering can have negative effects um i think that it is okay if you want to shelter your children um to an extent but i think that you have to understand the responsibility um and i, I don't have a good analogy but i guess it's kind of like um if i were a diabetic you know um Maybe today I want that piece of cake, but mm -hmm. if I'm gonna have that piece of cake, there's some other things that I'm gonna have to do, take my medication mm -hmm. or eat it at a certain time to Plan ensure to that, out. you know what I'm saying? Those type of things to mm -hmm. ensure that it has no negative side effects. That's deep, I like that. And that's a beautiful analogy. It really is because I was not raised sheltered. I was completely opposite. Um, and don't take offense to this, but my question is, does being sheltered kind of breed naivete, right? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, it okay. does. That that so that's my that'd experience, be my, right? And that'd that, be my fear as a parent. Go ahead. That that's me. You know what I mean. I'm I'm in San Diego. I'm 19 years old. I'm I'm, I'm just walking back to my dorm room, and I have no clue to. I have no clue of the other possibilities that could have happened with law enforcement. Mm -hmm. You know, and I can see when I watch these videos, I can see it. So being naive, right? Because I'm 19. I'm hot-headed at this time in my life, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? No one can tell me nothing. We know what it's like to totally. be 19, right? We know everything. But I wasn't I wasn't prepared for encountering this situation. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, man, what are you doing? What do you mean I fit the description, you know? And it, you, you go through all of these emotions because you're caught off guard. I mean, it's and we don't think about these things. I mean, I, I hear so many people say, you know, oh, well, if he would just stop resisting, 
Well, sometimes we don't we don't think about it when 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 your anxiety levels raise, when your when your uh, adrenaline gets to kick, and some fight of those things are natural instincts. Yeah, fight or flight. You know, yeah. and so when when you are raised from a place of being sheltered, that creates that sense of being naive. Mm-hmm. It has very negative side effects, and this is why I mentioned role play. And I honestly learned this through a lot of training with my current career that I'm in. Um, the benefits of role play, mm-hmm. you know, um, and and we we sometimes we miss all of these opportunities. Like, what do we do from the time we enter school until you graduate from high school? Every single month, practice fire drill. You practice earthquake. Stop, drop, and roll. It's all role play. So that when we move from the rehearsal to the recital, we can give our best performance. Mm-hmm. But if we're not role playing, how do you interact with the police officers? Mm-hmm. If we're not role playing, what do you do when, you know, Ray pulls up, you know, and he's got weed in the car and he's got a pistol. And this is we, we don't teach our children to ask questions, um, even down to, you know what I mean? I, I ask every teacher, where'd you go to school? Mm-hmm. What is your specialty? Why mm-hmm. are you a teacher? I just want to know why I'm entrusting you to be responsible for my child's education because we're in this together, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I think that we have to pull back from so much sheltering and be real with our children. Have you ever considered teaching parenting? I, I do. <laughs> that's what, okay. So let's yeah. go right into what you do yeah. for work. That That's a part of what I do. So um, I have the distinct pleasure of running a very um, unique program um, rites of passage mm-hmm. um, and within rites of passage we have three components so there's the family therapy piece in okay. which our young children both boys and girls um, have the ability to have individualized counseling as well as their family is enabled to have family sessions so our clinicians travel to the home of these families um, they meet them right where they are um, no professional arrogance mm-hmm. you know people are already dealing with enough so we meet them where they are they do full assessments and come up with a family plan mm-hmm. try to find and we don't go in and dictate you know um who you're supposed to be but let's identify what your goals are mm-hmm. and and let's get you some tools to help you get there um and again with no professional arrogance no judgment we're gonna we're gonna walk through this journey with you mm-hmm. um the other component is the after school character building program so we specifically focus on basically if i could put it in a nutshell helping assist families rear up confident children mm, got it. um and that's and, clear yeah and that takes a lot um and then you were raised confident i know i was go ahead yeah most definitely um and then uh there is the um so there's the the counseling the after school and then there's the parenting course mm-hmm. i think that's the most important piece um if i could get funding for something i'd love to have funding just for a parent program so uh, should we, can we, is that a call to action right now? Do we want to talk to some listeners and maybe direct them to some of your uh, information or social media? I think definitely, yeah. So we'll do um, that. I, I, I think that parenting is the most difficult job you can ever have. Mm-hmm. There's never going to be a harder job. I know people have went to war. Um, I know being the president is tough. Being a CEO is, you know, challenging. But there's not a... a, a a more difficult job than parenting. And the interesting thing is, is out of all those other careers, jobs, tasks that I named, they all come with training. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't even get a driver's license without, you know, passing a test. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you have the ability to create a child and birth a child, you can be a parent. Yeah. 
Um, and that's dangerous because that allows all kinds of people with all kinds of trauma and circumstances and, you know, challenges to raise children. Mm -hmm. And so let's just think about the times that we live in. I mean, there's babies being born right now in the wake of COVID, mm -hmm. you know? And so when you look at all of those challenges and issues, they, they, they what's the old saying? Um, it comes out in the wash or in the rinse, right? Mm -hmm. It, it, it comes out, you know, and if parents don't have the proper tools, if they haven't addressed their traumas, if they haven't identified their strength, if they haven't um, even began to, you know, identify who's your team, who's your village, who's helping you, you mm. know, no one can raise a child by you. You can be the most educated person. You can be financially astute, but you still need. You can be the most patient person. Yeah, but you still, you still, still yeah, you still need help. Yeah. You know, and so. um that is why I love the parenting piece, because at the end of the day, you can instill a lot in a child. But if the parent is still broken and the child goes back home to the parent, it's like pouring water into a broken pot. Mm -hmm. It's just going to seep out. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that the parenting piece is the most important piece. And usually another old saying, um, apple don't fall too far from the tree. Mm -hmm. You know, when I look at these children and their struggles and challenges and issues, I can always identify it in the parent quickly. Right. You know, it always comes back around. And so that's probably intuitive and also from just what you do, from, from just what you do. And I want to get to um, what brought you to your, your line of work. What, why, why is that your calling? What brought you to that? I, I think it was a, a bunch of collective things. Um, I, I kind of love telling, telling this story um, because, uh, interestingly, I was uh, I was terminated from the uh, Coachella Valley Rescue Mission ten years ago now, and um, how did you get fired from a nonprofit like the Rescue Mission? What did you do? You know what? Um, th that's all still up in the air today. But I'll say this: um, I think that again, understanding that you know there's a silver lining to every dark cloud. It was with great purpose. Um, been here in the last two years that I honestly realized first why I was at the rescue mission because I had to work at the rescue mission in, under, in order to understand as I worked with broken damaged men mm -hmm. it helped me understand the importance of what I do now because now that I work with young men young boys if I don't do the real work now they become those broken men and it's much harder oh god there's a quote I used to love it and it, I may not get this exactly right. I think it was Frederick Douglass that said, it is easier to plant a seed than to dig up a tree. Oh. And okay. I, I may be wrong. But no, but, but quote, I get it. But, and explain what that means to you. And, and so. It's like, st get, get it right from the beginning. Yeah. Grassroots. It, it, Give it love, plant it. And then everything will be okay. And you know, our, these these children that we work with, they are amazing. I mean, they're intelligent. They get it. They the the fear hasn't set in, right? I was just going to ask if you're worried for these kids and their future. I, I I worry for them in their future all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's my regular prayer. It 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 gives me you know sleepless nights sometimes. Mm -hmm. It's a constant theme and conversation amongst me. And, and I'm talking about what I do, but I couldn't do what I do. There's a very strong team, you know, around me that supports me. Our CEO is just, she's phenomenal. Um, a lot of passionate people, but to piggyback, 
um, what I was saying, being where I was at the rescue mission, it really taught me what it's like to struggle. It's a lot harder, you know what I mean, to mm -hmm. dig up that tree. Mm -hmm. But when you're young and when you're ambitious and when you have life and you're hopeful, because going back to what we were saying earlier, right, more hopeful when we're younger. Yeah. You know, but like as sponges. you get older and you you have these experiences and you get these bad tastes in your mouth and you get exposed to things, um, it changes your outlook. It changes your perspective. Mm -hmm. But uh, we can change trajectory of livelihood when you're young. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like the earlier you start education, educating a child, you know what I mean? Early childhood education produces, you know what I mean? Kids that are confident in the classroom. Mm -hmm. When you're confident in the classroom, you, you can do a lot more. Mm -hmm. But if you don't get that early childhood education, you're the kid that sits in the classroom, you goof off, you want to get kicked out mm -hmm. because you don't want to deal with the fact that I don't know how to read mm -hmm. or I don't understand these mathematic equations. Um, and then I'm possibly in a classroom with a teacher that doesn't understand me, mm -hmm. that doesn't understand my culture. Or doesn't want to, which is something I experienced in my elementary mm -hmm. and high school and high school days. Very true. Yeah. Um, so what I'm also hearing is for a lot of people who don't know how to parent or just too fo focused on other things, I guess that analogy would be that they just plant a seed and walk away, right? We see a lot of that, mm -hmm. right? You do, and this is where the village is important mm -hmm. and who's on your team. Mm -hmm. So I'll, now I'll, I'll, I'll lean to scripture because even if you don't believe in god <clears throat> the scriptures from the bible give us a lot of wise proverbs and so there's a scripture in the bible that says one plant one waters and god gives the increase so even if you don't believe in god you know three things have to happen right someone has to plant someone has to water and there has to be an increase mm -hmm. in order to get the tree and so what seed you plant as a father you may not be able to water but it may be the coach that's coming along when they get to high school. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the increase, they may not see it until they're 45, 50 years old. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I, I Mine do. Mine was a big brother in junior high, elementary junior high. Go ahead. Yeah. And, and so th that's that's important. You know what I mean? And, and I think that even with, when it comes to parenting, there's this sense of if I need other people to help me in the process, that I'm not a good parent. Mm -hmm. And that's just simply not true. Sounds like pride. Yeah. But I think that that's a lot of what society has created. Mm -hmm. But if you look back in the village, we're stronger together. You know, we're, mm -hmm. we're, we're better together. We're stronger in numbers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's why the hand has five fingers, you know, because just one finger by itself can't do the whole job, yeah. you know. And yeah. so um, I'm going to jump in. I, I think about um, my childhood and ways that. If there was a village, right? I'm trying to kind of associate that with my experience. And truth be told, there was. I remember going to my best friend's house and eating his food or, you know, having mm -hmm. to prepare dinner with his family and his father taking interest in me and my life, um, staying the night at other friends' houses, camping trips with friends, all that stuff. So, you know, I, I did have that village experience. My mother was very busy. I was, I guess, what you would call a latchkey kid. So the more, I'm glad you mentioned Same. this. Because, right, but the more I think about it, the more that there really, I did have that village effect. Even down to Larry Jones, the officer in, that would just kind of, you know, mm -hmm. patrol the areas and just be friendly. You know, even he was part of this village. Um, funding for the parenting program. Let's talk more about the parenting program and let's find a way to get viewers and listeners to uh, create some action. Go ahead. So um, th now this part is not my forte. Mm -hmm. So um, I would I would direct people towards um, our organization as a whole because mm -hmm. they would be directed accordingly. Um, Where would their money go? Um, 
all, all of our funding, and this is the one thing that I'm proud of, um, when I when I saluted my CEO earlier, um, I've seen her through the years, you know, she is a extremely good steward of funding. Mm-hmm. Um, it always goes directly into the children. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done fundraisers. I mean, even now we are um, erecting a um, facility out in Palm Springs. Um, and we just did our first um orientation uh for a new academy that we're launching mm-hmm. and i mean all these things need money and i i i know yeah well that's more and, of a question right yeah they they, they absolutely need funding and, and and i i i may get backlash from her for saying this but i know that personally she pours a lot of her own money into these projects wow you know um and i think that you know uh, just another call to action, you know what I mean? With everything that's going on, a lot of our children, they don't get adequate education. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw firsthand the devastating effects that COVID-19 did because a kid that's already struggling in school every day now has to go home, who has no internet service, and who starts to decline in school because he doesn't have the things and tools that he needs to be successful at home. Mm-hmm. And so... um that's one of the reasons I believe and I know that my um, boss has been so adamant about starting this academy. Mm-hmm. And I see it because and I relate to it because even though I had the village, when I went to school, I didn't sincerely feel like my teachers had my best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. I had a couple when I was younger, third, fourth grade. But as I migrated into middle school and high school, I didn't feel that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I went through a period um about six, seven years ago, we took a group of young men to, to D.C. and we went to Howard. And in the process, we've been to um, Lincoln and Johnson, a lot of the HBCUs back east. And when I sat there and I listened to, you know, the requirements is like I never once heard of this when I was going to Indio High School. Mm. I could have my education on a completely free ride scholarship. And so, you know, those are those small um prejudices that really affect our lives yeah you know it's heartbreaking and it is you know and so i see these things as only getting worse Mm -hmm. um well maybe not if people like you are getting involved and you know what because it does take one person right It, it, it does take one person but you know when i look back we're one person is competing with a lot now you know, a lot of weight on one person's shoulders. Yeah. Hold on. Before we segue off of this con- this topic. So what we're going to do as uh, listeners, viewers, make sure to circle back to uh, the website, do your part And with that, under your your uh, bio and under your um, description, we're going to have a link either to your boss's uh, email or the website. And we're going to find a way to be able to get some funding. And let's pick Definitely. a we're going to pick a number 10,000. So we're going to challenge viewers and listeners our goal is to get 10,000 bucks uh and this guy's not in your pocket per se but towards um funding this academy and the parenting program absolutely okay. absolutely so that's our goal so listeners do your part this is another opportunity for you to do your part and this is an easy one five bucks 50 bucks 500 bucks whatever you can do i know it's tough times for people but pay it forward go ahead but that's but that's where that's where coming together um is important and i think people don't really understand that you know um when I say there's powers in numbers, mm-hmm. you know, um, there wouldn't have to be people constantly giving and, 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 and draining their savings account and giving up their entire check. If everybody would just realize that, you know, if 500 people gave five dollars, yeah. 
what a difference that could make. How many times do you blow five dollars? Mm -hmm. And we don't think about those things, you know. When when I talk about those trips to D.C. and to um, Atlanta, Georgia, and to um, Kansas, I mean, we barely made those trips, and we struggled. I mean, we sold dinners, and you know, we did a lot, you know. Um, but just a little help from everybody mm -hmm. will make a great difference, and that exposure and that discovery. Mm -hmm again, could change everything for a child. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna pull out my calculator because I'm a little too, it's been, it was a long night last night, but we're looking at $10,000 divided by five. So 2,000 people, five bucks each. So that's what we're gonna try to do. I'm challenging, that's, that's easy, right? Right. That's easy. And I'll, I'll, and I'm, I'm going to, I'll give the first five, you know, okay. and there you <laughs> go. Just like, and I'll give the second. So there we go. Now we're down to one, 1,998 people. And again, that sounds like a big <laughs> number, but as this continues to be shared and this will live on the internet forever, right? So if you can donate now or six months from now or a year from now, it's all going to the cause. Right. Um, all right. Let me ask you this. We're going to move on to different topics, similar, but all right. to a different part of the conversation. Um, when you hear, and I'm sure you've heard it because I've heard it a couple of times, when you hear black men or women talk about how oppression is a choice, what is, how do you feel when you hear that? I can already tell by your expression. It's an <laughs> eye roller, right? How do, what does that make you feel? Yeah. Um, I'm getting a lot of that lately by a lot of people, and it's, it sets my hair on fire because it shows that they are committed to an idea that's just not real. Right. Um, I mean, I get, look, I'm, I'm well accomplished, right? I mean, a lot of people know me that I've done fairly well for my 42 years on earth. I've got a lot more to give. That's my experience. Right. Okay. I just told you where I'm from. And I told you a lot of the advantages I had, right? A lot of people don't have those advantages. Mm -hmm. I'm already answering your question. Right. But it pisses me <laughs> off when I hear this. No, I, I completely understand. Um, and it just speaks to how important education is. I mean, because education is not just what happens and when you go to school you know what i mean from from kindergarten through the 12th grade i mean and we have a lot of peach people that are really not educated i mean there uh, are all oh, the people, dumbing down of america is real yeah there are people that don't know what you know redlining is they yeah. don't know about you know the reganomics you know what i mean and the the war on drugs you know right. they don't know about you know gun disbursement they don't know about mass incarceration mm -hmm. you know even when you look at the direct correlation of um highly educating African-American women, mm -hmm. it, it does something because that create that honestly, believe it or not, I believe it translates into a lot of African-American women single-handedly raising children. Mm -hmm. Because what they're doing is, is they're eliminating and erasing the need for men. That's what my mom did. She was a college graduate, had no need for a man, told my father, kick rocks, you're cool, but I don't, I don't really want you here. Did the same with my, my sister's father. Go ahead. Right. I, you know, I even shared an experience, and, and I'm grateful. My wife was raised by her grandmother, you mm -hmm. know, and I was sharing this with um, some colleagues a couple of weeks ago. Um, there was a time I had spoke about, you know, when I had lost my uh, job, you know, and here's those rainy days, right, and money's not right. And so one of my wife's girlfriends says, um, Oh, you know, you can just you can just go down there to the to the government or to the county building, and tell them you don't know, you know, where your your daughter's father is at, and he and they'll give you like a thousand dollars a month or whatever it was, some ridiculous number. But I'm so fortunate because my wife, being raised by her grandmother, was taught, you know, the value of family, the value of marriage. So she didn't take me down that road. Mm -hmm. But I can't tell you how many times I've heard that story, and then you see 
these men struggle. I mean, they come into my program, you know, I haven't been able to see my son for years. I have no driver's license because of we're we're put in a situation. I mean, we're born into this world based on this melanin with like the weight of it sitting on top of us. You know, we don't come from generational wealth. So when you talk about the effects of oppression, I mean, even down to us oppressing ourselves, you know, it, it's so real, but we have to be educated on how it happens. We have to be able to see the big picture, right. you know, the why that's why I said earlier, you know what I mean? Um, focus on the vision and not the fire. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Because there's a lot of things going on. There's Breonna Taylor, there's George Floyd, there's uh, COVID-19, people are losing their jobs, there's unemployment, there's this stimulus check, and so people are forgetting that I still gotta raise these children. Mm -hmm. I still have to provide. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you're educated, you, you can, and this is, BRAF is, is, is the acronym for our program, Building Resilience in African American Families, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So what is it to be resilient? You gotta have bounce back. And bounce back doesn't mean that you oppress yourselves or you allow oppression to hold you down. Resiliency means that I've collected some tools that are going to help me recover in the midst of adversary mm -hmm. or in the midst of trying times. And, and, and that can be very diff difficult if you don't have the proper knowledge and education, mm -hmm. you know, and, and again, those, and the tools are the education, the, the tools, knowledge, the, the education, the knowledge, you know, and because that's what I was going to ask. Or what are these tools that you refer to? Right. And again, I think that the answer, if I may, is I continue to answer all your questions. That's that all right. You. It's a, just a conversation. Well, because that's, and that's what I love about these conversations is it's about self-exploration. It's about having these aha moments. Like, wow, I never thought about it like that. And then another door is kicked open in your mind and you have so much perspective. Your, 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 your experience and your, uh, your contribution is just so unique. It really is. And I'm grateful for that, you know, um, but when you talk about the, the, um, education it, there's so many components i mean yeah, it's creating creating that team you know um a uh, uh another colleague of mine he, he he teaches this um course and he talks about who's on your team mm -hmm. well when we go play basketball right mm -hmm. you have the cheerleaders you have the um referees you have coaches you have point guards you know you have defense you have offense you have all these positions right mm -hmm. and so sometimes when we're moving through life, we have people in the wrong position. Mm -hmm. I got the guy who's refereeing the game and you should be the point guard, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I got the guy who's playing forward and you, you need to be a, a, a cheerleader in the stands, mm -hmm. you know? And that's not a, a bad thing. Or a bad position, it's needed. It, it's not, because every position is crucial. Mm -hmm. You know, for someone, I play a better game because I look up in the stand and I see my dad's there. Mm -hmm. You know, for someone, the game is gonna turn out better because you know what I mean? It's the it's the person encouraging me on the sidelines in that cheerleading section that really, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. For someone, it's gotta be who has the stamina to play through that fourth quarter like Kobe Bryant did many times, mm -hmm. you know? And so when we look at these things, being educated on how to assess who's in my life and are you in the right position, you know? I love this, and let me ask you this. For viewers and listeners, I can think of 17 people, just names popping up in my head, of people who um, don't have a village, don't have a team. They're in it by themselves, raising kids, dealing with a lot of stuff solo, and they think that's just how it has to be. <laughs> so with that said, what advice do you have from them? How can they start to build their team? You, you, you gotta search. Be, be relentless, don't give up, no retreat. You have got to find those people. Mm -hmm. I, I just went through a very disappointing experience um, with, with a family member this, this past weekend, you know? Mm -hmm. um, 
And it just made me realize that, you know what, it's, it's, it's all good. I just had you in the wrong position. Wow. And that's okay. I woke. So woke I, still, woke. I still love you. Yeah. I still care about you. Yeah. I still want the very best for you. Yeah. But this is not the position for you. And then even recognizing that positions change, you know. And roles change. Roles change. I yeah. mean, uh, prime example, my mother's in her, her mid-60s now. Mm -hmm. She can't be the same mother to me that she was. Uh -huh. She's still my mother. I'll always love her. Yeah. But she's not the same mother that she was when she was 35 raising young boys. Mm -hmm. My wife, we've been together 23 years. She's just not the same woman today as the little girl I married or the young girl I married, you right. know, 16 years ago. And so totally there's different. nothing wrong with adjusting those positions. There's a, a billboard that I seen going up the freeway. Um, it's maybe about like a year ago and it shows how roles change. It's on one side of the photograph, you see the parents and they're holding the children. Mm -hmm. And then on the other side of the photograph, you see the children who are now older and they're taking care of the parents. Right. Which is the way it should be. Right. And other cultures be. do that. Yeah. And they honor their, their, uh, elders. Their elders. Absolutely. Easily. And I'm very big on that. And that came from the village. But when, when you don't, feel like you have a village, you have to get to them. I've, I've found mentors, you know what I mean? I come, I knock on the door, you know what I mean? Hey, I need some advice, you know, yeah. being straight up. I yeah. can't do this without you. I had a buddy of mine and uh, still friends, obviously, but um, he had an issue where his mother was operated a daycare or something of that nature and would, would was helping kind of raise the kids. And then she had retired and said, okay, I'm no longer at that space to, to watch your kids. I'm still want to watch my grandkids, but I need you to pay me. And my friend was like, this is bullshit. You're his, you're my kid's grandmother. Like you should do this, you know, inherently, this is part of why you're here. Right. And they didn't meet eye to eye on that. And so I think that that's interesting. I would use that in the same example of how that role changed, position her differently. Right. Right. It's very, very interesting. Um, we're almost out of time, so but I want to ask you a couple of more things. Kanye West, what do you think about him? Yeah, <laughs> I always ask people. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know what? Um, okay, so lyrically, well, there's a few. I, I like the I like the first Kanye. Right? Okay, right. Um, but here's what I think, and I'm learning more about this. Um, when you when you offer things to the world. You have to, this is why the team is important. There, two, three weeks ago, my wife took my phone. She took my laptop. She said, not today. Oh, wow. She was very stern. She was very direct. She wasn't nasty. Mm -hmm. She wasn't evil. But she said, not today. You got to rest. Mm -hmm. As much as I hated that, two days later, I appreciated her for that. And I think the real problem is, I think that there's some level of genius within Kanye West. It's a lot to manage. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to Jarvis. I'm an elder in my church. I'm a father. I'm a husband. I'm an eldest child. I'm a big brother. I'm a community baba. I um, do things such as this. There's a lot to me. Yeah. I can't manage all of this. My wife helps me with, with my image. I have people that help me with my schedule. Mm -hmm. I have people make sure I'm getting rest. Mm -hmm. I ha you, you gotta have the right people on your team. And I think unfortunately with Kanye, what I see is, I won't say he doesn't have the right people around him, mm -hmm. but perhaps he has people in the wrong positions. Wow, I love that. I love when you say that. Wow, so. okay. I'm glad I asked because I guess, uh, 
that's kind of how I view Kanye West. I think that uh, lyrically, musically, he's got a lot to offer. I think mm-hmm. that um, he has a voice just like the rest of us. I think that he um, needs to sit down and shut up sometimes. Yeah. Uh, maybe rethink what comes out of his mouth. But um, I uh, I just ask because I think that he is a point of um, contention and controversy right now. Um, but we've seen this with so many mega stars. Lauren Hill went through it. Dave Chappelle went through true. it. But yeah. when you have the right people around you, yeah. they this is where shielding becomes good. Mm-hmm. Let us shield you. Because here's the deal. When you look at us as African-Americans, right, if you're playing football or you're playing in the street or whatever we do, just little Saturday things we do, right, kid falls down, he breaks his arm, we'll take him to the hospital instantly. We don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. But when our brain is broken, when our mind is broken, we don't find it just as important to get him to the hospital. And the brain and the heart are the two most important functions in the entire body because mm-hmm. nothing else functions without them. And they're the slowest healing organisms. And so when you have the right people on the team, you get the help that you need quicker. Mm-hmm. You know, how many people have died and the doctors say we were too late, mm-hmm. didn't get here in time. Mm-hmm. You bleed out in the ambulance. And so that's what happens to a lot of our people. When you're a mega celebrity, I mean, I think I have a lot of eyes on me. How many eyes are on Kanye West? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, he's a father. He's a husband. I don't think Kanye West even got appropriate healing or grief through the passing of his mother. Mm-hmm. You know, so where a lot of people put him down as a brother, I have love for him. And I'm hopeful that he will be able to turn that corner because there's, like I said, there's a level of genius in him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a gift that needs to be shared with the world. Mm-hmm. But it's tough to do when you got a lot pressing down on you. Yeah, and all those eyes on you. Yeah. I'm glad you said that. Um and again, I know that he's it's he's controversial, um, but I I've got um, a lot of respect and a lot of love for him and a lot of empathy for him. But uh, that's not what we're here to talk about today. I just wanted to ask you because I think for again as far as the black experience, either it's thumbs up or thumbs down. Either people love him or they hate him. Right. Um, all right. So this is the kind of the part where I'm going to ask you before some solutions to offer to viewers and listeners. Is there anything that you want to add? Anything that you think people need to hear? Is there something you want to punch real quick? highlight was was what punch means in news i just started reading a book by common and it's called let love win it and i think we should make a conscious choice to try to do that because mm-hmm. love is really not a skin color love is not a gender love is just it's pure and it's raw and i think that if we if we really make a conscious effort to let love win um i think that we can really get somewhere I know I'm winning because when it came to dealing with Jarvis, a lot of people let love win. You know, I wouldn't be here if if love didn't win. And so I I guess that's that's something I would say is, you know, let love win because love conquers all. At the end of the day, love conquers all. And so um, I'm hopeful that the love the world can be filled with more love because I think it's 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 needed. It's really, really needed. There's a lot of people hurting. Um, you see it, you hear it, you read about it. It's in the news. Um, you can feel it. Yeah. It's just, it's, I think love is the only thing that can, you know, truly erase fear, mm-hmm. erase hate. So um, I, I've just broken into the uh, first chapter of the book, so I can't say something, you know, so um, phenomenal that he said, um, but, uh, he's somebody I follow on Instagram, you know, mm-hmm. he's very positive and, um, that's just, that's where I'm at, you know, I'm trying to let love win, you know, mm-hmm. and 
it don't happen every time, but mm-hmm. you know, I, again, I get back up and I try. Yeah. Um, I met him once and he, yeah. Tr- yeah, and he tried to like be bougie and kind of rude with me. <laughs> and I, and I, he tried it and I was like, I had been drinking that night and I was like, oh, come on. I'm like, people tell me I look just like you, like we're fam. <laughs> and he cracked a smile and then like, I had a little, a little very small moment with him. I just had to include that, I'm sorry. No, Making no a meme that's moment. cool, that's all good. Um, so it, anyway, as far as celebrities, are, you could probably approach Carmen, he seems like a nice guy. So let love win, is that your solution that we're gonna leave people with is to find that book or what else I, can you I, I don't think that's my solution. Um, yeah. I think that can be a, a, um, a segue to a solution. Um, I think there's a lot of, solutions um i i I try to find balance Mm -hmm. um i think that we have to really um take some personal accountability you know um start calling out bad behavior Mm -hmm. um holding people accountable Mm -hmm. um i think something that's really important and it's 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 starting to trend um right along with mental health is uh the importance of self-care okay um if if you are not in a healthy state, it's not possible for love to win. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are are not taking care of yourself, um, you're no good for anyone else. So then, do me a favor, right? Because I want to give people like tangible examples. So, what are some examples of ways that you practice self care? So, um, I've recently gotten back into yoga. Mm-hmm. Um, I have started to make a conscious effort i mean and it may not seem like self-care but for me it is is um spending very intimate quality time with my children wow get it because we're not just watching them play video games spending real intimate time with them yeah going for walks Mm -hmm. um you know and and as as devastating as COVID has been and you know um prayers and blessings for all of the families that have been you know devastatingly affected by it um for for me COVID has been um, an opportunity for me to get back to family life, you know, sitting down at home with my wife and children, having dinner at the table, mm-hmm. phones off, TV off, having conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I say that that's self-care is because I'm learning about an entirely different um, part of my children. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting to hear how they think and how their minds work and how they process stuff. And for me, it's a reflection on, you know, where I'm measuring up and where I need to do a little bit better in my, mm-hmm. my job as a parent. Um, self-care, I, I mentioned that I do yoga. Um, self-care for me is, is just taking time to, you know, rest, read books again. I love to read, but you know, sometimes we get so caught up in work and children and grocery shopping and eating and this and that and the rat race of life that we forget to do some things that we enjoy, mm-hmm. you know, um, just, I've, I've recently, I've started to study about my culture, you know what I mean? Um, who, who, who were we before we came here? You know, we hear all about slavery and all about civil rights, but taking that time to go back in history, you know, how were they so peaceful? How did, how did that work? You know, I've been doing some studying for a, uh, even though it's a work project, um, on the Ashanti people in Africa, you know, um, just learning, learning some of my history, you know what I mean? Um, self-care, practicing forgiveness, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, letting go of old hurts, um, and creating some new positive habits. You know, I go for walks with my wife, you know, um, so the self-care, it it may be for somebody, it's a massage, maybe it's a day at the beach, but taking some time to step away from, you know, your day-to-day normal, um, itinerary and, 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 and invest something into yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, if you like baking, get in the kitchen and bake a cake cook a good meal. Those things are therapeutic and I believe they help uh, 
eliminate mental illnesses. You know, they put you in a healthier state because, you know, I'm no doctor, but, you know, all of those euphoric feelings that you get, they're, they're, they're beneficial. You know what I mean? And how many times do we feel panic and anxiety? Mm -hmm. And so if we're not doing anything to combat that. We're doing the opposite of self-care, which is pretty much almost like self-hate. Mm -hmm. Which is almost like self-hate. I love that. I love that. I mean, it's luckily, as I move into my 40s, it's all about uh, doing me, right? And so yoga mm -hmm. is an example, meditation, um, but self-love and self-care. That's something that I have now, uh, I understand, and I, right. and I practice daily. And so if you're not self-loving, you're self-hating. I love that. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we've got some fantastic solutions, as he offered, and I think yoga is a good one. Uh, walking, take, taking time with your family, but really I think the message uh, as far as the importance of self-care is just putting yourself first and making sure that you're finding ways to honor yourself, right? Right, you have to. Yeah, you have to. I'm going to get you back. We're going to have to do Jarvis too. Absolutely. I'd love to. I'd okay. love to. This I enjoyed this. This was uh, fun. Thank you for having me. It's, uh -huh. it's definitely a, um, it's definitely, it's an honor, yeah. you know? Good. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad. And we knew it would be good. We didn't talk about uh, Black Lives Matter. We didn't talk about George Floyd. Those are things eventually we, because I, I, I want to cover those things with you, but this was rich and a lot to offer to folks and a lot for people to think about. So thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you, viewers, always. Uh, we always like to close with, again, the solutions. You have some tangible ones. And again, do your part. We love you. Take care of each other. Love on each other. And that's a wrap. We'll talk soon. There you go. Do your part. I am absolutely confident that you continue to do your part. Thank you for listening to another episode of Do Your Part. I work at staying awake. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Stay connected with Brian Gallo through social media at Do Your Part Podcast or visit doyourpartpodcast.com.